Welcome to Trailblazer Academy. Class is now in session. Here are your professors, Caleb and Christian. Good morning, class. You may be seated. Today's lesson is on the Paladin. This is part of our class overview series covering all the classes available to players, and this is one of the core classes. The description from the book, Through a select, worthy few shines the power of the divine. Called Paladins, these noble souls dedicate their swords and lives to the battle against evil. As reward for their righteousness, these holy champions are blessed with boons to aid them in their quests, powers to banish evil, heal the innocent, and inspire the faithful. So we've come to our holy warrior, our crusader, the paladin, who no doubt everyone has heard of due to kind of the uh, contention they tend to cause at tables. It's because most people who play them also try to share their Christianity with the players at the table. And it's like, dude, we get it. <laughs> Stop trying to convert me. Why do we have to pray before every session? I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> Say grace before you roll your dice. <laughs> But I think this is one of the like most iconic classes. I think when you think of like D&D and fantasy tabletop role playing with magic as a whole, like the Holy Warrior, the Paladin is kind of one of the staples. And it's I know this is one of the ones that have definitely been in the game since like first edition. It's always been here. And it's undergone a few changes. It's uh, acts a little different than it used to in the past. This kind of seems like it's stepping on the toes of the cleric. How is this different thematically? So the cleric is going to be less focused on martial combat. The paladin is going to be more of the heavily armored frontliner to the cleric, who is going to be more of the one that preaches, that is going to be more magic-focused, typically. Although the cleric mm. can focus on these things, the paladin comes with heavy armor and full base attack bonus right out of the box. So they're they're definitely yes. going to outshine any cleric trying to focus in, say, melee combat. Well, there's not any sort of restrictions on it. I don't see this being a problem. <laughs> if you don't want restrictions, you came to the wrong class. This is probably the most restrictive class in the game, starting with their alignment. To be a paladin, you have to be lawful good. That is exactly one alignment, and you can only... <laughs> so being lawful good and being a paladin, you have to worship a deity. That means you are restricted of all the deities in the game only to lawful good deities, neutral good deities, and lawful neutral deities, I believe. And there's absolutely no wiggle room here. You have to be lawful good all the time. If you ever stop being lawful good, you lose a, basically all of your holy powers. Well, Christian, it's a good thing I don't care about or enforce alignment at my table. It's a good thing everyone plays at my table and not at, you know, I don't, uh, let's just say some, you know, officially organized events. And it's really good that alignment and what being good and lawful means are so stringently defined that it's impossible to have a potentially different interpretation than somebody else and everyone gets <laughs> along and no one argues about any of this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There, there's certainly i'm just i'm happy at the lack of threads on this just how much <laughs> space is not wasted on the internet for this there are definitely terabytes and terabytes and terabytes of space and storage free from consistent arguments about what it means to be lawful mm -hmm. good and batman's alignment that's right and also the same four arguments regurgitated uh yeah this is a con alignment's a contentious thing so this is this at the very start i'd say talk to your gm or talk to your player and make sure you guys are on the same page or can compromise to find a way to get on the same page if i may put on my gesture cap and oppose the uh, riddle caleb if i were 
a person mm-hmm. following a deity, say Caden Kalian, the chaotic good god, whose tenets tell me to be wholesome and good, but in unprecedented or unexpected ways in my daily life, and I lawfully follow his tenets of chaos, am I lawful good or am I chaotic good? Oh no, the Sphinx's riddle can't be solved. I can't get that last moon in Mario Odyssey. No, open <laughs> up. Let me in. Let me in. Thankfully, uh, actually relatively recently, there's archetypes that can overcome this, so it's not as restrictive as it used to be. Sure, and obviously it's a it's a huge source of debate that I'm not very interested in. We did do a whole alignment episode where we gave our opinions, even had a guest on that one, uh, Greth. It was a great episode. So you can kind of look into that and, and form your own conclusions. So uh, I don't want to spend too much time on it here. But no, if you're someone picking a paladin or a DM that wants to have a paladin in their game or has a player that wants to be a paladin, there is this foundation now that needs to be set. You need to know the tenets of this deity that they want to worship, and you kind of have to have a representation, or the players need to have an understanding of how religion and worship works within your setting and what it means to the players. Without that, the class is definitely going to be a little harder to fit in with the party, and it's going to cause one of those threads on Reddit that you get like twice a day. Prevent us from starting a thread on Reddit. So (laughs) paladins have a code of conduct that they have to adhere to. There's a generic one in the core rule book, and it's much like a uh, how a cleric would worship a deity. Well, paladins don't necessarily have to worship a deity. They have this generic code of conduct, and it says specifically their power can come from their dedication to justice just as much as it would come from a god. But it makes a lot of sense for it to come from a god, so much so that Pathfinder has put entries in for the multiple gods, the multiple deities, I guess I should say. And in the deities, they'll have what would a paladin's code of conduct be if he was worshiping this deity. Gives you a little more uh, narrow focus, a little more fine tuning of what your code of conduct is, aside from the generic cool rulebook one. That can also help with role playing and the like. But uh, when you can lose your powers for breaking your code of conduct, it can help to pick a god so you can get more specific and have a have a good idea of what exactly that means. But even so, it's still a little vague. It's something that a lot of people and even I would bring up as kind of a problem is because of how vague it is to lose your powers. And you got to have good relationship with your GM to be able to talk about that. It's all issues intertwined with the idea of alignment, I think. So I don't think it's the best time for us to crack open the philosophy books and figure out what truly is lawful and what truly is good, but definitely try to fall within the bounds of that as best you understand it and the best you understand it with your DM. Mm -hmm. And it just makes sense that you're going to worship a god that's lawful good or take the cleric rule and worship one step beyond it. I, I, I would find it hard to justify somebody worshiping like an evil god and trying to keep their code of conduct and remain lawful good uh if or, someone comes to your table with good that, acts that's a classic red flag right there i'm a paladin <laughs> uh but i worship norgerberg sure 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 i i don't want to i wouldn't want to take that away still rules as written you can and there might be a a role play thing i'm not thinking of that you can make a cool angle that might be fun for storytelling there's always one of the great uh things about pathfinder is how you can make any character you imagine and so there might be a character you can imagine that would that would fit that rule but generally it just makes sense to worship a good god or a a god that's like at least one step away from lawful good not everything is permissible and i will definitely put my foot down and say that no paladins cannot worship an evil god in any regard there has there has to be a bound that's the point of this class if you're saying that you could talk to your gm and be like yeah i worship the assassin god that uh i gotta kill people for fun but um I do it in a lawful good... No, there's no way you could spin that. Absolutely not. That's not the point of this class. 
maybe <laughs> if you're with a bunch of other people that have such strange ways of thinking maybe that's your play group but i would say no absolutely not i'm putting my foot down this is the paladin you have to be lawful good if you have to like write a dissertation and try and weasel your way past me why you're lawful good you're not lawful good it should be very apparent I'm going to sit down with the core rule book in my hands at Pathfinder's organized play, show them my chaotic evil god and say rules is written, bro, and lay down my character sheet. And they can't do anything about it, <laughs> even if their name is Christian. And he somehow decided to run a game. Sorry, bro. Rules is written. Everybody likes that guy. <laughs> so, As we said, uh, contentious topic. Sure. They have a D10 hit die. They only get two skill points per level. Big oof. Uh, good luck upholding the tenets of justice when you can't even tie your shoes and know what your own religion is <laughs> at the same time. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> Pick one, paladin. <laughs> like, mm, knowledge, religion, and diplomacy? Sorry, guys. I can't sense motive on the bad guys. I also can't heal you when you're injured. I see you know that I work for Zonkuthon, but can you walk over to me and stop me without tripping? <laughs> <laughs> well, they can't because they don't get acrobatics as a class skill. They get craft, <laughs> diplomacy, handle animal, heal, knowledge, nobility, and religion, profession, ride, sense motive, and spellcraft. This is a very small list. You got... Only two charisma skills on here, which you scale off of. One of them's handle animal. Yeah, your your skills are going to be a rough point for Paladin. Or I'm surrounded. I'm like a a princess, a Disney princess. Meet my Disney princess Paladin, who's just surrounded by singing animals. <laughs> they have a full BAB progression, which you mentioned before, which makes you know separates them from the cleric a little bit. They have a good fortitude and will saving throw, and a bad reflex saving throw. Great spread. They are divine prepared casters, and they have four levels worth of casting. So there's your, like you were saying before, how the cleric is more of the spell guy. This guy doesn't have as many spells. And this paladin's not even going to get spells until level four. They have diminished spell casting, which we actually don't see often. The only other time we're going to see it in the core rule book is the ranger. As I mentioned, they scale off of charisma for a lot of their class abilities. But you're also typically a martial character being a full BAB character, so you care about strength or dex or constitution as well. And probably want a little bit of int so you at least get a third skill point per level. <laughs> They're proficient with all simple and martial weapons and with all types of armor and with all shields except tower shields. Don't know why fighters are the only ones that get tower shields, but I've never seen one deployed, so I guess I'm not It's because they're so good, Christian. <laughs> Talk to me about what they get at level one. Level one, you get your most defining feature, the mantra of every paladin everywhere, I smite evil. Once per day, as a swift action, choose one enemy. If that target is evil, you get to get a bunch of bonuses against them. You're going to add your charisma modifier to your attack rolls against that target. You're going to add your charisma modifier as a deflection bonus to your AC against their attacks. And the biggest one here, you are going to add your paladin level to your damage rolls against that target. Now, if your target also happens to be a evil outsider, a dragon, or undead, your first attack against them after smiting them does two times your paladin level. So obviously not very impressive at level one. That's just going to be an extra one or two damage if they fall into one of those groups. But even at level five, every one of your attacks dealing a bonus five damage, your first attack doing a bonus 10 damage is huge. In addition to the attack, damage, and AC bonuses, 
you're going to automatically bypass any DR that your target has. These all stay in effect until the target is dead or you take a rest. You get a bonus Smite Evil at level 4 and every 3 levels after. Well, you wanted to, a way to mechanically uh, show that you're a paladin fighting for justice and against evil. Well, here's your gosh darn against evil part. I like how it gives you a, a defensive and an attack boost. Yeah, this is really solidifying you as a martial option. Your AC is going to be high, your attack and damage rolls are going to be high against evil targets. This ability is insanely strong and it really what makes the paladin class. You, this basically reads, invalidate X number of evil enemies a day, where X is the number of smite evils you have. It, it really shines to me in a way that you can, in the middle of a battle, you know, call an enemy, and you're having like this one-on-one -on -one fight with this demon while everyone else is fighting in the background. As a GM, something you're going to need to consider here is that if you throw an even level challenge rating monster at the party and it's evil, Paladin's going to completely invalidate it. But now that you know that your paladin has this ability, you can you leverage this to throw scarier, higher CR creatures against the party. I think it's only one way to do it. I would definitely discourage people from always doing that. You want them to be able to shine. Let them have people that they can easily beat because they're their level. That's the point of this ability. I agree with that. I'm not saying always do it, but a tool in your toolbox is you can throw something CR plus three, plus four at the party, maybe even plus five in you know, really intense scenarios. And the paladin will definitely be able to hold their own against them. Considering that a lot of the ways that enemies become stronger is that they get new types of DR and you completely ignore that. Mm -hmm. that's so crazy because some dr is meant to be impossible to come over it's like dr epic or whatever it's like cthulhu i called you out so sorry <laughs> but is cthulhu really evil let's talk about it let <laughs> <laughs> me look up his alignment my, my paladin's worshiping cthulhu actually so there wouldn't be any bad blood between them caleb <laughs> Listen, it works, because if you were worshiping the evil god and doing good things, people would call you crazy. That's his whole shtick. Bam, justified. <laughs> if the boot fits. Give me back my character sheet, game master of this organized play. <laughs> I've got you again. Why is everyone left? Why does everyone leave when I join the game? I don't get it. Also keep in mind the whole uh, this lasts all day effect. You can throw some kind of demon or other evil entity at the party that has the ability to escape combat and maybe heal up and have it be a recurring villain attacking them throughout the day, a little bit of a cat and mouse game. Just make sure you don't get all sleepy and take a nap. <laughs> make sure someone doesn't cast a sleep spell on you. <laughs> I've countered my paladin. Yes, that would also counter everyone, sir. <laughs> There is Can't uphold the tenets of justice if you knocked out. You have an aura of good equal to your paladin level. Whatever that means, there's rules about it, and like evil things can like detect your aura of good, like you can detect their aura of evil, uh, but it's not usually super important. It's gotta be like almost exclusively about detect lawful and detect good. Which speaking of, the paladin at level one also gets the ability to detect evil. At will, you can use the Detect Evil spell as a spell-like ability. Now, usually the way that works, standard action to cast, and then you have to concentrate, just like Detect Magic. It's like a 60-foot cone, and every round up to three rounds, you get a little bit more detail about the stuff within the cone. Where is it coming from? Roughly how sh Who is it exactly, and roughly how strong it is? But what's neat, as the Paladin, you get a little bonus here. 
So you can, as a standard action, activate Detect Evil as a spell-like ability, but as a move action, you can choose to concentrate on a single item or person within 60 feet, and you act as if you just studied them for three rounds. You get to learn their their what their aura is, what the power of their aura is, etc. Now, do know that your players who are playing Paladin are going to overuse this. 100% they're going to cast Detect Evil the second they walk into any room, the second they meet any new NPC, they're going to do this. There's a couple ways you can combat that because I do find that it bogs down play and it, it, it doesn't really fit thematically. It's kind of obnoxious. Obviously talk to the player about it. A. B. Remember casting spells in Pathfinder requires both talking and gesturing and everyone knows what magic is. So when the heavily armored holy guy looks you in the eye and starts saying some mumbo jumbo and his hands start to glow people are going to panic like he just pulled a gun out in a public space oh i've never that's a, what a great uh, analogy they don't know what your spell does like what is it maybe what if he's gonna drop a holy nuke in the town you listen don't, we've don't had player characters cast fireball on us for no reason we don't trust <laughs> you anymore you're adventurers you are a scourge it's right you are honestly the biggest threat in the world we send you out to other quote-unquote threats we've made up to keep you busy because you are the biggest threat <laughs> Your tenets of good, they don't apply to us. We just want you away from us. Yeah, right. Yeah, I keep hearing you talk to this god of yours that you keep referring to as the GM and saying it's good to kill the shopkeeper because I can use all the weapons I get from him to do good things. I, I don't know why he's okay with it, but I am not. <laughs> or I'm surprised that you said they will overuse this because in my experience playing, having a paladin as a player, he never used this. He used his uh, his uh, his attacks as detect evil. He had a holy weapon at one point, so he would just say, is it evil when he attacked it to know whether or not to do extra damage? And it would be a favor to me <laughs> if he did know, because otherwise he'll say, you know, 10 if he's normal, 20 if he's evil. And having to hear that every single time, you're begging them to cast detect evil so you don't have to hear that every time. Honestly, it's a little bit of a, of a flaw. The It's it's good here because it's not necessarily a holy weapon. Smite evil is an action that you have to waste and you have a certain number a day. So you want to know before you waste your, your smite evil, but... People will just go, oh, is he evil after after rolling their damage dice all the time? <laughs> Do they ever really care if you say no? Do they ever contemplate <laughs> or reflect upon their actions? No, they do not. That is not one of Paladin's class abilities. But we got a really solid level one here. We're going to completely decimate evil stuff. Maybe not decimate it, but we're going to do good damage against evil things. Mm -hmm. We know who is evil, and we got this glowing aura of good that some outsiders and holy and unholy things can see demons and such care about that so let's move on to level two where we're gonna get a couple more things that are really defining of the paladin you get divine grace you get to add your charisma bonus to all saving throws that's right all of them there's three saving throws fortitude reflex and will that's that's all of the saving throws actually it says all saving throws even if your dm tries to pull a fast one on you and make up a saving throw it counts your charisma gets <laughs> added to everything <laughs> <laughs> yeah make a con saving throw well i have divine grace so i'm i'm gonna add my uh, charisma bonus you already have two good saving throws this is an incredibly powerful ability there are many times you will see people referencing taking two level dips in paladin on other classes just to get this ability it's insanely strong as we know saving throws are one of the most important things in the game if you fail a fortitude or will saving throw your character might be out of the fight might be out of the game permanently 
What I like about it is this isn't like a against magic attacks or whatever. It's everything. And you can boost your charisma as you continue to play through the game and get more equipment and items. So as we can see, charisma is super important here. It's going to, when we smite evil, it's going to give a bonus to our attack, our AC. It's going to give a bonus to our saving throws. At least having like a 14 or so in charisma is going to be really important for the paladin. And you're going to get, you're going to get really big returns on that. Now, this might be like a generic rules question that I just don't recall the answer to right now. If I get a temporary bonus to my charisma, does it get added? Yes. Oh, wow. So if I get somebody cast a charisma boosting spell on me, this will help. Exactly, yes. That's cool. I think the only time it doesn't is when you first put on like a headband of charisma. It says sure, like the sure, first yeah. 24 hours, whatever. Go look up those rules. I don't remember them off the top of my head, but for the most part, yes. It's listed on all those items and I've never taken the time to understand why. <laughs> Aside from the fact that you don't just pass a headband over and over again. Right. So the other ability we're going to get level two is lay on hands. A number of times per day equal to half your paladin level plus your charisma modifier. So at level two, assuming we have, let's say, 14 charisma, um, that's going to be three times per day. Uh, you can heal wounds with a touch. This is a swift action if you are healing yourself and a standard action if you are healing somebody else. You heal 1d6 per two paladin levels, and you need at least one free hand to do this. You can touch undead things and try to melee touch attack them with your healing. That is a valid way to use it, although, honestly, your weapon's probably doing more than 1d6 at level 2. I wouldn't suggest it. Probably save it for the healing. Find something that can compete with wholeness of body of the monk. <laughs> you you know, although the paladin gets a 5 levels earlier uh, and <laughs> can use it like probably twice as many times per day and can use it on themselves or others... You know, it's a hard contender for the monk. Wow, I never thought of it that way. <laughs> it's another point where you blur the lines between cleric and paladin. They're like, oh, you could still heal yourselves and hurt undead if you want. It's just different. It's a, it's a touch. It's a touch now. I mean, they're two holy classes getting a similar holy damage uh, mm -hmm. benefit. And it's more of the general rules of it's positive energy and positive energy hurts undead things. Sure. Although you will be saying this again, uh, come level five. Well, I'll take a raid check on that one, but you're, you're, you're definitely 100% right where uh, holy classes tend to tend to cross wires a lot. But swift action is nothing to laugh at here. Yeah, healing yourself with swift action, keep yourself in the fight longer. You already have a d10, and now you're going to be topping yourself off in the middle of combat. Just keep in mind that we have already talked about smite evil, which is a swift action. So you cannot smite evil and lay on hands yourself in the same turn unless you're doing it as a standard action for the healing. This is something I enjoy, and your GM will, will be happy with too, because if you only have one swift action ability, it's just kind of assumed, and I do this, like, yeah, I understand. Now you have something to compete for it. What I actually don't like is a little nitpicky. Like, if you are a paladin that has a sword and a shield, which is like the iconic vision you have of sure. a paladin, you can't lay on hands yourself. That doesn't count as a free hand. You want to use it, just in general, you probably want to be using a two-handed weapon, have a good strength, use a two-handed weapon, smite evil, absolutely obliterate them with the 1.5 times your strength modifier plus smite evil, because uh, you can let go of the one of your hands from, a say, a bastard sword or a great sword for, as a free action. So you can let go real quick, heal yourself, put it back on the weapon. Oh, you know what I just thought of? Something that helps Smite Evil kind of differentiate for what the fighter gets here is you, you're not going to always want to combine your power attack with your with your paladin's attacks is using smite evil because the bonus is only to damage not to hit you might not want to take that loss to hit unlike the fighter who pretty much all the time wants to power attack often i should say depending on your build 
Well, level three, we get another aura, but this is aura and name only, aura of courage. You become immune to fear and all allies within 10 feet get a plus four morale bonus to fear saving throws. You need to be conscious for this, so don't get hit with whatever that drought poison is that everyone talks about. Is it literally called drought poison? Yeah, I think it's called drought poison. Okay, cool. (laughs) (laughs) So immune is a really good word. You like to see the word immune. It's your best friend. Fear is one of the really bad ones if you're a martial character. You just start running in the other way. Uh, you and all your allies are your allies are basically immune to fear. Plus four is nothing to scoff at. We also get divine health, which means you're immune to disease. Like all of it. Every single one. Doesn't matter. This adds a little bit of a protector role to the paladin, being able to you know, give your allies this little boost and be able to heal them. I like how in the description, like it says, a paladin is immune to all diseases, including supernatural magical diseases, including mummy rot. Mummy rot has to be really bad if it needs to really be called out in the core rule book as <laughs> I've being never affected Let's look it up this. right now. Mummy rot. I wrote mum rot. And I think that's a name of an Egyptian, mum rot. Oh, it's because it can only be removed with remove curse and remove disease within one minute of each other. Yeah, but I don't need to remove it. I'm immune to it. Never never <laughs> had to ask the question in the first place. So my suggestion is uh, just take a flash card, uh, write the word immune on it, and, you know, roll it up your sleeve so that whenever your DM tries to say anything, you just flash the card at them real quick. Unless it's damage, I'm immune. And by the way, if it's damage from that guy, I've got a bonus. <laughs> and is he immune to me? No, he loses his DR. I have, an, I have immune with an X on it that I throw at you. They also have mercy. There's a list of mercies that you choose from. And whenever you use lay on hands, you get to add the bonus listed effect to the lay on hands. Pretty nice because these things will remove negative conditions like remove disease and curses. And it can be so nice to have, hey, you're healed. And by the way, also that poison that was killing you is gone. Every three levels, you're going to get to pick a new mercy. And the lower ones will get rid of really minor effects like fatigued or shaken and then the higher ones are going to be ones that'll completely remove things like petrified if you get turned to stone or blinded also did you say lesser things like fatigued that's like a great thing that comes up a lot to get rid of right so you could technically not go to sleep because i think not sleeping the only penalty is becoming fatigued and in the morning just lay on hands yourself it's pretty cool again just showing sort of your paladin's way to help his allies it's uh it's kind of sad that it's at level three because you're, you know, you don't get a feeling for what your your gems are putting up against you. Or it's like, huh, he picks a lot of monsters that have grab. I wonder if I should get a, a ring of freedom of movement, you know? Huh, what is he? A lot of monsters keep trying to give us negative levels. Maybe it's just like the mercy that helps get rid of those. But I guess you, you get more as you level up. So actually, that's perfect. Yeah, and you get to kind of custom tailor it. If you know you're going to be fighting a bunch of demons that curse you, you know, if there's kind of a theme in the campaign, you can pick what is you think going to be most affecting your party throughout the adventure. Well, I see why we're not getting spells because we're getting so many cool abilities, even some spell-like abilities. But at level four, we finally do get some spells. So you do gain spell casting. It's okay. It's level four casting, so it's pretty minor. The biggest thing here to keep in mind is that you do have the ability to use a wand of any spell on your spell list. So you're not going to have a lot of spells. You're only going to get a couple a day, but you can use wands. So like now you could be the the mule that carries around the wand of cure light wounds and save your lay on hand charges when there's nothing in immediate danger. So at level four, you're going to be able to cast level one spells. And when you cast a spell, 
you treat your caster level as your paladin level minus three. So at level four, you are effectively a level one paladin spellcaster. You are a divine spellcaster, and most of them work the same way. Every morning or every day after a rest, you get to pray to your god or do whatever your morning ritual is, and you pick and choose any spells from the divine spell list to prepare for that day up to however many spells you can prepare that day in each slot. Nice. You also get channel positive energy. Okay, now we are bleeding with the clerics. You can consume two uses of lay on hands to channel positive energy just like a cleric. It's okay. You can just use a wand to cure light wounds. It's not a huge deal. I think channel positive energy is a kind of a outdated mechanic, you know? I think that's something that really, if you were like, I walked in, you're like, I'm going to channel positive energy. I'd be like, this guy's from like 2012. What's he doing channel positive energy in my party? No one does that anymore. There's alternate options. There's archetypes, bro. You don't need to channel positive energy. That's yesteryear. What do we get at level five? So at level five, uh, we're going to get a divine bond. You form a divine bond with your god, and it's going to take one of two forms that you choose. Uh, The first form is a divine bond with your weapon and your god. Uh, Basically, you can pimp out your weapon with divine power. As a standard action, you enhance your weapon. At level 5, you're going to give that weapon an enhancement bonus of plus 1 that lasts 1 minute per level, or 5 minutes. Every 3 levels afterwards, this enhancement bonus increases by plus 1. So at level 8, we're going to be adding a plus 2 to our weapon. These bonuses are going to stack with any of the weapon's existing bonuses, And you can use these plus one, plus two, plus three, whatever you're adding, to add properties to the weapon that match the amount of enhancement bonus. So the list that you could choose from is like axiomatic, brilliant energy, defending, disruption, flaming, flaming burst, holy, keen, merciful, and speed. So to try and put that in better layman's terms, at level 5, we're going to put a plus 1 bonus on our sword. Supposing that our sword is already a plus 1 sword, that means rather than making it a plus 2 sword, I could make it a plus 1 flaming sword for 5 minutes. Hmm. At level 11, I can make it a plus 1 axiomatic sword, let's say. Or you can split them amongst, or you can split the bonuses amongst multiple of these. There's lots of rules about fringe case scenarios involving this. Like, don't try to enhance your weapon and give it to somebody else. It doesn't work. There's, there's a lot of, like, smacking your hand away as you reach out for the cookie jar. Like, no, it, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> you could use this once a day at level five and then one additional time for every four levels thereafter. So you've got different things to track. You get to track how long it lasts, which is a different rate of how many times a day you can do it, which is a different rate of what the enhancement bonus will be. Yeah, I just noticed that as I was reading it. It is a little, a lot to keep track of. At least the time is easy because it's a minute per level. Sure. For me, for this form of the Divine Bond, it's a good option. Just keep in mind it's a standard action, so it's not always the best option within combat because you're effectively losing a whole turn of attacking to make your weapon stronger. What's typically going to get better use out of this is knowing when combat is coming up, it's actually lasting a good amount of time, you know, 5 to 20 minutes depending on your level. If you're in a dungeon and you throw it on your weapon before you enter a room, you're potentially going to benefit that whole combat from this bonus that you've given it. Right. 
It also had some nice little push and pull to how long do we spend exploring this room, guys. Maybe we should just go to the next room while I still got my bonus still up. Other form you can have is a holy mount. You pick a mount type from a list, and the mount will act like a druid animal companion using your paladin level. Once per day as a four-round action, you can summon your mount to your side magically, and you can use this an additional time per day every four levels after. At level 11, the mount gains the celestial template and counts as a magical beast. And at level 15, your mount gains spell resistance equal to your level plus 11. But when does it get wings? When can I ride a Pegasus, Christian? There might be spells for that, but it doesn't get, unfortunately, any kind of, like, holy temp- It gets a celestial template, but I think that's just, like, damage resistance. I don't think that gives it wings or anything. Boo. Literally unusable. Uninstalled. Well, now you have a quest for your paladin. You gotta get your Valkyrie horse holy wings to fly on. So if you're the kind of person that wants to look up the druid animal companion rules and wants to make a second character sheet so you can have a cool holy horse or a holy camel or whatever is on the list of mounts, uh, go ahead and do that. I think it's a strong option. I'm personally someone that doesn't like micromanaging a second character, but it's definitely cool, really thematic. I really like that you can summon the mount to your side because often mounts come with the stipulation that, well, what if I have to climb a ladder? Well, now you can climb up the ladder and summon your horse to your side at the top of the ladder. How do you get down from the ladder? Well, hopefully you're level nine by that point. At level six and seven, we don't get anything new, but keep in mind that your mercy's going up, your smite evil's going up, and if your charisma's high enough, you can get some second level spells. But the next level we get something new at is at level eight. What do we get there, Christian? We're going to get the Aura of Resolve. Adding on to our many, many auras here, we are now immune to charm spells and spell-like abilities and every ally within 10 feet of us gets a plus four morale bonus on charm saves. Woo! Did someone say immune? I'm just going to write the word immune a second time, maybe a third time, onto my flashcard here. Maybe I'm going to make a couple spares so that my, my DM knows, don't try that on me. <laughs> it sounds like you're trying to make me make any save. Do you want to just sort of keep going on with the game, or do we have to waste time with the rolling? I, I could roll the dice. Do you, do you want me to roll the dice? Is it just nice to watch? Because obviously we know the outcome. <laughs> and then you get a one and he's like, hey, how do all those rules treat you? And then I take out my immune card. Oh, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> but this is great. Charm spells and spell-like abilities. I mean, this is the quintessential. The paladin is an iron fortress. The succubus is not going to seduce the, the paladin ever. It's Which impossible. is always really awkward and weird to try to fit in a campaign. I've tried it. Didn't work out great. Level 11, you're getting the aura of justice. Another aura. <laughs> I feel like I'm playing WoW with all the buffs the paladin has. Yes, he also puts things on the ground that you need to not stand in, or you do need to stand in. Uh, you can expend two uses of Smite Evil to grant the ability to Smite Evil to all allies in 10 feet. Allies must use this by the start of your next turn. Last a minute, uses all your Smite Evil bonuses, and using this ability is a free action. So the, using the ability as a free action is weird wording to me. Do they mean it's a free action for me or it's a free action for my allies? It's not 100% clear. I think it's a free action for everybody. Christian, I finally have circumvented all the rules because while I am a lawful good character that ser that serves a lawful good God, uh, my ally, who is a chaotic evil rogue who sits in the corner all the time and steals from the party, uh, I'm going to give him my smite evil. Take that. Caleb, I know you want to give your character who's chaotic evil hiding in the corner smite evil, but evil creatures can't benefit from this ability. What? No, foiled again. So stop being edgy, even if you're not a paladin. It will <laughs> yeah. only benefit you and your party. No edgy characters in this party, you understand me? <laughs> paladin is the anti-edge. 
But Smite Evil is already the most powerful ability you have, and now you're giving the most powerful ability you have to all of your allies. It's only within 10 feet, so that's a little restrictive, but you're the Oprah of Smiting Evil. You're fighting hell itself. You get a Smite Evil. You get a Smite Evil. You get a plus 11 damage bonus, maybe a plus 22 bit damage bonus on your first attack if they're an evil outsider or an evil dragon or undead. Now, we said allies got to use this by the start of your next turn, and it lasts a minute. So essentially, you have one turn to sort of start, and if you don't, you lose it. But if you do, you get it for the next minute. I think that's the reading on it. That's another weird wording of this ability. This, this just seems so good, honestly. Well, especially if you're fighting, you're not always fighting evil characters. So, so level 11, you could probably throw a CR 20, let's say, a CR 19 dragon at the party. If they have a paladin and they get the whole party in this, unless the dragon one-shots the whole team, the, the dragon will go down in one turn. The evil dragon is getting hit with plus 22 damage by the first attack of everyone in the party. And now note, something I didn't mention when we talked about Smite Evil, is that Smite Evil does not say add your paladin level to your weapon damage rolls it says add your paladin level to your damage rolls fireball yes holy fireball magic missile i've been trying to get paladin that uses magic missile to work for years i can't figure it out but one day i'm going to hit them with the 3d4 plus nine on each bolt it's going to be miraculous a friend you need to build a regular (laughs) wizard who's good at magic missile and just have a level 11 no, that's too easy, Caleb. I need to be a paladin, but I need to be the race that gets reincarnated so I can take the feat that allows me to pick bard spells and put magic missile on my list and then bump my used magic device up really, really high. RB level 11. I don't know. Am, this- am, I, am I gushing over this too much? It seems really, really good. So 10, 10 feet is the restriction here, but you know what is going to completely eliminate 10 feet being a problem? You're a paladin that uses a bow. You don't even have to be that good at it because you're getting a free plus 11 damage on every bow shot. But yeah, no, this is basically if you ever throw an evil creature against the party, and at this rate, uh, you have, what, three, four uses of smite evil a day. You have to expend two of them to use this ability. You could throw really, really powerful enemies at a party with a paladin in it. We invalidated this encounter. Yeah, well, how many uses do you have that ability? I've got one left. Okay, well, we've got four more encounters. So sit back down. It, it actually gets to the point, if you're in a kind of campaign that has, say, demons as a major enemy or, you know, dragons, whatever, will be hurt by smite evil, you actually have to start designing around this so that the players have to start making choices. Otherwise, it really is just a free eliminate this person real easy. Mm. You know, there's two really well-renowned evil things going on at the same time, and now your players have to make the the decision, do I smite that one or do I smite that one? Which one of these are we not going to have those extra bonuses for? We have to make that decision. Mm -hmm. What's the next level we get something at? Something new at, I should say. So we're going up to level 14, and we're going to get another aura on our hot bar. We need to get an (laughs) add-on now to manage them all. It's called Aura of Faith. All of your weapons are treated as good aligned, and any attack made against an enemy within 10 feet of the paladin is treated as good aligned. So this isn't as great for you. You already had Smite Evil, but for any target you're not smiting that has DR slash good, it's going to obviously be useful. And it's rewarding you for being a melee paladin. You are engaged with an enemy that has DR. Your allies attacking that enemy are now going to benefit as treating their weapons as good align. Right. Because 
normally you're not going to smite evil every character in the encounter. So you do need some other ways to kill the other guys. And it allows you to free up your weapon. So now you don't have to put holy on your weapon. You can put other weapon enhancements that are more fun and less on the nose for being a paladin. The next new thing we get is at level 17, the Aura of Righteousness. You gain DR5 to evil. Sorry. You gain DR5 evil. You gain immunity. You gain immunity to compulsion spells and abilities. And allies within 10 feet gain a plus four morale bonus on compulsion saving throws. What's the difference between compulsion, compulsion and charm? Charm is making someone like you. Compulsion is compelling them to do something they don't want to do. They sometimes gotcha. overlap. But compulsion would be like um, command. I cast command on you and I could tell you to drop your weapon. I'm not charming you. I'm not doing it with a smile or a wink. I'm just commanding you to drop your weapon versus versus charm would be like charm person. You're friendly toward me. I can get you to act friendly toward me. So charm is how I got you to start this podcast with me and compulsion is how I've gotten you to keep going. (laughs) I thought it was intimidation was how you got me to keep going. (laughs) (laughs) So we're immune to something else. Uh, just another thing to put on your immune card. Uh, compulsion spells are also incredibly powerful spells, so hooray, that's great. I always found it weird that you get DR5, but it's only overcome by evil. I feel like it should be the exact other way around. Right, because the things that he's going to hit you are going to be evil. Well, we are, I think we're being a little bit tunnel vision here. We're not seeing the wider world of, you're not necessarily coming up against evil things all the time. True, so like the peasants throwing rocks at you because they're angry because they don't understand your holy righteous crusade uh, doesn't bother you whatsoever. I need these weapons, the shopkeeper, uh, (laughs) he was a bad guy anyway. I heard he stole from the mayor. (laughs) He didn't pay his taxes on time this year. I need... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's that's the true use of your paladin abilities enforcing tax code i need everyone to know that in the notes here every time christian has wrote immune he's wrote it in a different way whether there's like spaces in between it whether it's like the spongebob capitalizations back and forth whether he made a new bullet point for each letter of immune or at this point as tiny as it could be and then i also think maybe it's uh superscripted uh he, he's really having fun with this boys <laughs> i like being immune to things because it's like, it's no nonsense. Like, it's not like you have a bonus. You don't have to roll a dice. You just move on with your life as if nothing's happening. This is the thing, though. If anyone who's played any amount of Pathfinder will learn that you constantly forget the bonuses you have applied. And this class is just giving that pain to every other player in your party. <laughs> just like, oh, he died. Oh, no. Wait, did you remember the bonus you got from when I shared my smite evil? No, I did. Oh, I forgot. That's plus four. Am I still alive? Wait, wait, wait. Did you remember that you were mute, that you get your plus four to compulsions that I gave you from my aura? Oh, no. That I would have made that saving throw. <laughs> prepare to go back. <laughs> <laughs> Next is level 20. We are the paragon of righteousness. We are a true paladin. We're getting our capstone ability, and it is called Holy Champion. At 20th level, a paladin becomes a conduit for the power of her god. Their DR increases to 10 slash evil. Evil stings still hurt you. Okay, whatever. (laughs) Whenever she uses smite evil and successfully strikes an evil outsider, that outsider is also subject to a banishment using her paladin level as the caster level. After, okay, I have to go read the banishment rules. We'll, we'll get back to that. After the banishment effect and the damage from the attack is resolved, the smite immediately ends. In addition, whenever she channels positive energy or uses lay on hands to heal a creature, she heals the maximum possible amount. The second part there is a lot easier to cover, so we're going to cover the second part there. Uh, How much are you healing at this level? Lay on hands is 1d6 per two levels, if I recall correctly. Yeah, 1d6 per two paladin levels. So that's 10d6. 
You're healing uh, free 60 as a swift action every round. Take that, monk. <laughs> Poor monk. Uh, you know, there's there's something here, and there was also something earlier, I think, um, with your divine bond. It used the word God here. It used the word God and the divine bond here. This is like the implication that you do, in fact, worship a God. And also, it talks about here, Christian didn't read it because it's mundane, but it talked about your weapon and holy symbol automatically count as objects that the subject hates. That assumes you also have a holy symbol. I was going to talk about that portion because it's part of the banishment spell. So it did, ah. there is that portion where when we, we strike the creature, it's subject to banishment. What the heck is a banishment? Well, it's a level seven wizard spell. And basically you are taking evil outsider and you're banishing it from this realm back to its original realm. Banishment spell is a more powerful version of the dismissal spell. I bet we're going to have to go read the dismissal spell next. It enables you to force an extra planar creature out of your home plane. As many as two hit dice of creatures per caster level can be banished. So your caster level is 20 for this ability, so that's up to 40 hit dice of creatures. I, I think that's that might be Cthulhu. I forget how many hit <laughs> dice they gave the deities when they put them in the books. Well, I hope you're on your home plane when you use this then. True. What happens if you've you've jaunted somewhere else and you're fighting them on their own turf? No, no crusade. Unless it's another plane invading another plane, then you can kick. No, it's got to be your home plane. Oh, boohoo. So the target gets to make a will save to negate the effect of being banished. But you can improve the spell's chances of success by presenting at least one object or substance the target hates. Um, for every such object or substance, you get a plus one bonus to your castle level check to overcome their spell resistance. And you increase the saving throw DC by two. So you're always benefiting from that because your weapon and holy symbol count as objects they hate. So right there, just with those two things alone, that is a plus two to your cast level check to overcome their spell resistance and a plus four to the DC of the saving throw, which is pretty good. It's a it's banishment plus effectively. Well, I think this is very thematic. I like it a lot. Yeah, you're the defender. I think a lot of things in the Paladin, you know, I kind of reference them as being a crusader, which is actually wrong for this version of the Paladin. They are much more a protector of that, which is good. They get all these auras that are going to protect their allies. They are banishing things that invade their realm and sending it back to the realm of which it came. Are there any good favored class bonuses for our boy, the Paladin? Paladin's got some good ones. The human... For every favorite class bonus, you pick a energy and you get plus one to resistance against that energy to a max of 10. So by the time you're a level 20 paladin, you're going to have your DR 10 slash evil. You're also going to have potentially, let's say, fire resistance 10 and cold resistance 10. Hmm. Or if I find all like the extra material and, the, and all the obscure energies that I can have resistance to and I have a plus one resistance to every type. What's that? Sonic? Bam, plus one. <laughs> Having sonic resistance is the most niche thing. It is. <laughs> when's honest question? When's the last time you got hit by sonic damage? Um, I uh, I usually am fighting Eggman as Sonic, so I, I usually take <laughs> Eggman damage. And for by the way, he should always be called Doctor Robotnik. That he's ever called Eggman is the worst. Ooh, really hot take there, Caleb. Tell me how you really feel about this the transition to 3D and calling him Eggman because of his egg-like shape. <laughs> and let me tell you something. Sonic fans are notoriously really understanding, so that's not going to cause any sort of blowback <laughs> at all. Well, Caleb, there's a pinkish-purple headshot behind you. Have He's you... saying he hates his dad. <laughs> Christian, have you ever played the game where you type in your name and then the hedgehog to see what yeah. comes up? Unfortunately, yes. All right, I'm doing it right now. Let's see what I am. Okay. Well, I'm never doing that again. <laughs>
bleep it out just for explicit thoughts that are quick what's the next class (laughs) favorite class bonus all right so humans cool energy resistance half elf add one foot to the range of your auras which is you're only gonna get an actual benefit from this every five levels you put into it Mm. this is great level 10 getting an extra 10 feet on all your auras is a really big deal I really like that you don't even have to pick the aura. It's all of them. And as you saw, we got several. It also means you can be detected as a good person from, you know, 19 leagues away. And a couple people get this bonus. The elf, the gnome, the halfling. You add one half to the number of hit points healed by lay on hands. So if you want to be a frontliner and you want those bonus hit points, good option. Or if you're someone that wants to concentrate more on the healing portion, the mercy portion of the paladin, uh, those are good racial options. That's nice because that's a guaranteed. That's not a dice roll. There's a couple cool archetypes I want to mention about the paladin that you should know exist if you ever play one, just because they're good options. The Warrior of the Holy Light removes spellcasting. The the paladin's got a lot going on. They're full BAB, so they gotta know all their melee rules. They're a spellcaster, so they gotta know the spellcasting rules. Minus three levels. Uh, they might have a mount. They have to know the druid animal companion rules. Uh, they might pick the form of their bond being their weapon. They gotta know the weapon enhancement rules. If you want to make that a little simpler, pick Warrior of the Holy Light. You're not a you don't get spells anymore. Instead of be getting spell casting, you get bonus uses of lay on hands, which is always a good thing. And you get a spell like ability where you basically make a big holy nimbus around your body that is another aura that busts all your allies. One that I referenced earlier is the Grey Paladin. If you don't want to have the alignment arguments and you want to worship something a little bit outside the restrictions of the normal Paladin, you can play the Grey Paladin. They have softened restrictions. They can go into the neutral categories to worship deities and have a code of conduct that is not explicitly lawful good. But it also tends to weaken a lot of your holy abilities. You are paying a cost for doing that. Imagine paying the price on your abilities for an ease up on like your conceptual design what what yeah I hate a alignment lot of people were so pretty... much guys we can't get into it but i hate it so much <laughs> you know who else wasn't into it i think all the paizo forms and I think also that's uh, I, notoriously knuckles the echidna not a fan. <laughs> and you know i'm a real fan because i said knuckles the echidna because that's everyone who's a real fan says the whole thing <laughs> Is that, is that a known thing about Sonic Hedgehog stands? It's just a generic thing. Like if I say, you know, uh, you know, share the musician as opposed to the kindergarten concept. <laughs> so what's, you got another, any cool more, any more cool archetypes? I actually got two that I wanted to highlight. The Paladin, we didn't talk about a lot in the, the class, but they're, they're mad. They depend on a lot of attributes. They want strength. They want constitution. They want charisma. They want a little bit of intelligence because they want to play the game. They probably want at least a little <laughs> bit of dexterity so that they can benefit from their armor. The Virtuitous Bravo is basically Paladin slash Swashbuckler. So lowers your need to focus on strength and allows you to go further into dexterity and be a melee character. And also gets a lot of swashbuckler abilities, such as panache, which pair very well with your high charisma as a paladin. If you're someone that wants to be a paladin, someone that upholds good but doesn't necessarily want to be a big, beefy, tanky guy, Virtuous Bravo is a very good option. Last one I want to highlight is a pretty niche one, but I thought was really cool. It's called the Tortured Crusader. 
Now mechanically, what's cool is that they use wisdom instead of charisma. What I also think is really cool is their flavor, and it's a paladin, I think they're from like the Book of Horrors, they're from one of the horror-themed books, and it's basically a paladin that is faced with such constant and overwhelming threats against humanity and good as a whole, and that evil is basically winning, that they can't be charismatic. They can't be happy about the way things are going, but they still choose to uphold good. They know that themselves and their allies are not likely to make it out of the scenario, but they still trudge on. And as such, a lot of their abilities become more selfish. They're much more about getting the task done rather than spreading good and cheer everywhere. Being a much more, I'd say, pragmatic paladin. You're not the spokesperson. You're the front lines person. What's this? Have I finally come across the day where uh, a options flavor is what drew Christian to it? Contrary to popular belief, I do like speak and roleplay when I play Pathfinder. I think there might be audio proof of it. Guys, as a, a former GM for Christian, I can confirm it is absolutely false. There's no evidence to confirm <laughs> this. When you ask me a question in character, I respond with numbers and then tilt my head and I'm wondering if you're telling me <laughs> if I hit or not. He's, he's never had a character voice. It's always been, <laughs> let me tell you what I'm doing. <laughs> So that is everything with the Paladin. What do you think about the Paladin, Caleb? Have you ever played a Paladin? I haven't, but I really do like him a lot. We, we've mentioned a couple times how like awesome Smite Evil is. There's so many auras and different things to keep track of that I can. I, I imagine it, there's a lot to remember. And you, you know that flashcard you're talking about? I'd have a flashcard just to make sure I knew every ability that I'm giving my allies. Uh, but it's it's all fun, and I always it's always really nice when you have another option to buff your allies. I, I'm not just the spellcaster who has to try to pick between my options that help my allies and that can actually make me useful, or the bard who am I always going to be buffed? And all this stuff. This is a this is a, this is a not a buffing, but this is a this is a team player that's a martial character, and I really really like that about the paladin. And it, and I think almost every ability it has fits to the theme and, and allows you to have options to role play. All of this here you can work off of. I like it a lot. I know you've had experience with paladins at the table. How did those go? Well, Christian, just like how people would like to listen to season two to see uh, whether or not you actually role play and which one of us is lying here today, uh, you can listen to season one to find out. Uh, and also, <laughs> I don't recommend you listen to season one until it's remastered. So I guess it's just a mystery. It's pretty good. We had uh, there was a little bit of there's and I think this will happen in many tables. And I was a young GM at the time. Uh, a little bit of the contention between he wants to he's trying to push his beliefs on the other characters. And that can get irksome whether or not it's accurate role play. And eventually, you know, like, they didn't verbally strike a deal, but it was essentially like, I'm going to do my thing. You can do your thing. But when your thing gets in the way of my thing, we're, we're going to have a problem. And it was like, we were trying to like, what are we going to do with the prisoner and things like this? And I think you'll eventually work that out. It doesn't stick with you forever. And the faster you get beyond that, the better. Just don't like like anyone who has a, a religion in real life and it can get irksome when they keep pushing it on you. How I make Christian pray before every episode of Trailblazer <laughs> Academy. Uh, you know, that can be annoying when you push it in the game as well. But it's great. He, he was he was dealing out healings and he was dealing out the high damage to the evil characters. I know you mentioned a lot of the times, you know, like, oh, you can you can make it challenging by bringing in more difficult things or have two difficult guys that, you know, they're going to kill one of them. Those are all great options. But it's also nice just when you were letting the paladin shine, just like, oh, are we in a lich's castle? Then you're very happy you brought the paladin with you. Right. Always let people play to their strengths. Don't make their strengths always perfectly balanced right. out so that it doesn't feel like a strength. And this was probably my poor leadership in helping him make his character, but the spells really didn't factor in much at all. There was like a few times where, you know, it was good because there's a clutch spell that you do happen across like, hey, 
I've got a spell here where if I get, I'm making this up down to zero hit points, I can restore my health. I'm glad I had that prepared and that could saved my character's life, but spells had to come up a lot. So before I get to my conclusion, I do want to talk to that because it's actually something I forgot to mention during the spell casting. Paladins have their own set of spells called litanies. And I think the reason that happens a lot with paladins not using their spells is because spells are standard actions and they're not full round attacks. And as a paladin, you're very much benefiting from full round attacks. All the litany spells, or at least the majority of them that I've seen, are swift actions to activate and they only last one round. They act much more like combat tricks and they do act like actual spells. So if you're someone who's playing a paladin and you don't care much for the spell casting, other than taking the Warrior of Holy Light, just look into the litany spells and you'll probably get good use out of them. As a whole, Paladin is a very rigid class, both in flavor and in mechanics. And though I think that that rigidity is fitting and well-earned for the Paladin, it really doesn't fit my style of play. I can't really imagine myself playing a Paladin. It's just not really, doesn't jive with me roleplay or mechanics-wise. I think the two skill points per level is a huge downside to playing Paladin. You actually feel like a useful idiot. You feel like Smite Evil on a stick sometimes because you can't really interact with the game in a lot of other Mm. ways because you need to put your stats elsewhere. You can't put it in intelligence unless you're a human who's going to get a bonus skill point per level or you're making some other trade-off to get the intelligence score. Like, even just having knowledge religion, that's going to take, if you want to actually know about the religion, that is probably a good reason why most people are playing Paladin. They have a deity they think is cool, and they want their paladin to represent that deity, and they want them to know things about that deity. You just lost half of your skill points in knowledge religion right there. Mm. Give I would honestly home rule it to four skill points per level to play paladin. Wow. I, I would I would 100% make that house rule. Basically, anyone who's not a wizard or scales off of it in another way should never have skill two skill points per level. But games with paladins in them are going to thrive the most when the importance of deity worship is well-defined and the tenets of the deity in question are known to all the players. And I think that lack of foundational setup is why the paladin often comes off as contentious at the table. You know, just the idea of how do these people go to church? Do commoners go to church? Like, what does it actually mean in this setting that we're playing in to worship a deity in general? What does it mean to be a paladin of that deity? You really need to know the answer to those questions to appreciate and fully get use out of that roleplay side of the paladin, which I don't think are always there. Not for newer tables in terms of, you know, new players or in terms of just a newer group. Mm-hmm. So I think they require a lot of work, and they they feel they, they just feel like an old class. I think the paladin needs to be unchained personally. Interesting. There wasn't a lot of just because the alignment, because there was a lot of stuff that was good. Just alignment and the and, and the skill points. The alignment, the skill points. Uh, I think Smite Evil is a little boring it just kind of invalidates evil encounters i think smite evil could be a lot more interesting i think the the limit per day doesn't make it so it invalidates evil encounters was it once per day and then that goes up at fourth level number three levels after so i don't know if that invalidates encounters it can invalidate an enemy maybe in an encounter or you can choose to invalidate one encounter at the risk of not having it for the rest of the day i don't think it's that bad all right think think of it this way good option think of it this way the fighter can do more stuff than you what can you actually do as a paladin like when you get into combat and you want to do something like nine out of ten of your abilities are passive auras that protect you from effects so unless you are getting targeted by those effects constantly you're not really benefiting from your class abilities you re you really feel like 
smite evil on a stick i feel like smite evil should like do different things as you level up allow you to interact with different evil things in different ways maybe have more modular options it's a niche opinion i like you said not a lot of people say this but that's how i personally feel that's a good point so sort of the death of a of a class for me is if i'm just stuck in a really repetitive rut exceptions as always sometimes i make a really specific build that focuses on something but generally i want to have competitive options to do with my actions and and if it's if it's my evil on its stick then that's not competitive option yeah every every most other things you get i'd say at least 60 percent of your class skills it's divine grace it's your auras and immunities it's mm-hmm. things that are going to protect you from being acted upon but they don't really enable you to be an actor in the world and interact sure. with the world you have no skill points skill you have point. detect evil and smite evil and you have your lay on hands and you got a horse sometimes that's and it. you got a horse sometimes. If you have the horse, you're not even choosing your weapon buffs. Yeah, and so- sometimes your weapon glows real cool. Okay, the Magus does it better anyway. Does it much better. Hmm. And channel positive energy is just kind of slapped on there because you're a holy class. That's what you get. Yeah, I think those are good points. But I can still see somebody how somebody can have a lot of fun with the class. Oh, definitely. It might be one of those things where like the longer you play it, the worse it can feel or maybe the higher level. That's why I suggest the archetypes. There's a couple other cool ones I didn't mention. There's one where you called Holy Gun, where, hey, you get a gun, and you get to shoot people and smite evil with a gun. It's cool. Listen, as an American, Christian always <laughs> talks about the gun options. Well, that was the Paladin class. Thank you all for listening. Class is dismissed. Trailblazer Academy is part of the Trailblazer Network. For other great RPG podcasts, visit our website, tblazer.net. Want to get in touch? Email us at tblazernetwork at gmail.com. This is Johan Mertens. Thanks for listening.